Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Thank God for the elders. Yeah, amazing. So the good news is I'm not even sure how much money there is that's going to actually enter first fruits. I've got a rough idea, but I don't really know. And um, so what we like to do is do it as a kind of a countdown. So this is, you know, as you know, first fruits is just basically people saying, we love Jesus, we love the vision here, we don't even know what necessarily you're going to do with it, but we like this church and we trust that you're going to do great stuff with it in the future. So here's some money at the beginning of the year, we're going to give God first and best and trust him for the rest and all those kind of things. So um, it's great. We've already given thousands of pounds of this away to a bunch of stuff this week because the we want to model as a, as a church what we also want to model as individuals, that we give God first that we, you know, it's like you could, you could think, oh, well, we'll wait and see how much comes in and then we'll see if we can give. But we want to give God first. And then what happens is that actually actually makes a cycle of generosity and a cycle of blessing that comes out of that too. So, um, yeah, so, so we've already given thousands and thousands of pounds away this week. One of the, Sarah Parks' first jobs in the first couple of weeks was to be able to ring people up and say, hello, this is Ivy. We want to bless you. Here's some money coming your way, which is a pretty good way to start your new job, isn't it? Yes, it's lovely, she said. So, great. So, let's have a look how much it is. Are we ready? I don't know about drum rolls and things. We won't do that. Shall we do that? Yeah. All right, cool. So, numbers. Here we go. Nine. Yes. 79 pence. Somebody gave that. Thank you very much. Who's next? What's next? Nine pounds, 79. Yay. We've got a bit more to go. 89 pounds, 79p. There you go. Widow's might. Thank you very much. What else? £589.79. Ooh, it's getting excited. Who's excited? Is there any more numbers? Four. Oh, four. Now keep going. <laughs> £14,589. Let's go one. Let's a bit more. Any more? I got my numbers completely wrong. Well, basically, that's right. That is 114, 589, anyway, whatever it is, it's a lot of money. Isn't it good? Aren't you glad Rob's in charge of the finances around here? And um, yeah, that is amazing. Turn to the person next to you and say, that is amazing. And thanks for being part of an amazing church and giving so generously, so faithfully. Thank you so much for leading the way in generosity that is something to thank god for right as we start off this year so here's my question what were you doing some of you weren't even around looking at some of the people here, but what were you doing 10 years ago if you can think what you were doing 10 years ago don't know if you can remember but i can remember what i was doing 10 years ago really quite clearly I was praying about whether or not it was right to leave a church that I was involved with in Surrey, which was a good church and we loved the people there and it was going really well, to be able to leave the Church of England and to come into this place with a funny name called Ivy Cottage. 
church in uh, in Didsbury, and uh, I'd never really been to Didsbury that much, but we used to drive. I used to drive past this building when I was in the riot squad and saw these this thing Ivy Cottage Church, and you always think what a funny name for a church that is. And um, and then we came up, and I met some with the elders, and then around this time of year, I was coming up, and we had various meetings, and what about? And it was one of these, you know, a bit like a boyfriend girlfriend thing. Well, I didn't. I don't know if I like you, but I don't know. Anyway. It was that kind of thing. And then eventually we came up at a meeting where we prayed and um, with the elders. And it was like, a, you know, what do you think? And asked some questions. And then I got, to, I was booked into a hotel. And on the way back, I don't know what happened. Maybe there weren't that many sat-navs around. But I got a bit lost because I kind of thought I knew Manchester. But Manchester had changed in all the years that I was away. And I ended up in this petrol station, bit rough place. And there was all these people hanging around the petrol station area. It looks a bit rough. And I immediately went back into ex-policeman mode and kind of was like that looking at them. Like, I'm filling my petrol thinking they were going to rob me, but making sure they wouldn't. And, um, and then I thought, oh no, I can't, I can't be a, a, a church leader here because if I'm like here, I'll go back to being in the police and I can't be a, a police officer again. God's called me to be a church leader, so, so this can't be right. And, uh, and it, was just, it just felt like a bit of a scary place for me to be able to go and I was in this lovely place in Surrey. So I, I went to the hotel room and I went to sleep and, uh, and as I was going to sleep, I was saying to God, thank you for clear guidance. Thank you that we're not supposed to be in Manchester. Thank you that, that we're in this lovely place in Surrey and I've got this beautiful garden with deer that run out of the back and you know, it's just amazing, lovely place to be. We've got a little pool, we have a, a, a trampoline and all it. amazing stuff. Why would I leave? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Went to, my, my wife is right. We're staying where we are. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for Zoe's wisdom. And then I had a dream. And in that dream that night, first dream that I had was this. Um, there was a, a, some of you know this, but there's a little girl and, and, and she was on a stool and there was a woman standing looking at her and just saying to her, you are so beautiful. Look at that face. One day that face is going to be on billboards. One day you're going to be like a movie star and everybody's going to see how beautiful, how gorgeous, how wonderful you are. And I was looking at this little girl and inside I'm kind of thinking, somebody needs to tell that woman the truth because that is not a good looking little girl. <laughs> I know it's a dream, so you'll have to forgive me. And, and then I woke up. And it was like, I knew what it was. I knew God was basically saying, don't you say that about this city and, it's, and even the people in there because I love this city and I can see what you can't see and, and I can see the beauty in this city and, and all of that. And I was like, okay, Lord, uh, I won't. But thank you that I'm not coming here. Thank you, I'm going to Surrey, staying in Surrey. Amen, roll back over and went to sleep. And, you know, dreams really matter and we should pay attention to our dreams because actually dreams can shape your view in all kinds of all different things for the future you know what's your dream for church is, is going to a lot of it is going to be tied to what you think of when you think of church what do you think of church as being lots of people just think of church as being like a an organization and if it's an organization then what do you do you organize it don't you? That's what you do in the organisation. How do you grow it? You organise it better. Some people think of church as being an institution. What do you do if it's an institution? You institutionalise it. You make it more of an institution and all that. Well, but actually the Bible doesn't say anywhere that the church is an organisation or an institution. It describes it in different ways. It uses pictures like it's the bride of Christ. Well, what do you do with the bride? You love the bride, don't you? Because the bride loves the groom and we should love the groom too. And, and the Bible would talk about the, the church as being like the body of Christ. So what do you do in the body? You become a part of it and then you look after it and you're concerned for the health of the body. That's what you do if it's a body that you're talking about. And, and the Bible does talk about the church as being God's house. What do you do with the house? You build the house. It's, it, and the, the church talks about it as being a temple. But it never talks about the church being a temple in terms of it being about buildings. 
God's not thinking about buildings when he's thinking about temple. In fact, there was a, a, a thing I was reading just this week where he says that when David, uh, Solomon was told when he dedicated his temple, God came to him and said, it was never in my heart to build this temple. It was in David's heart to build the temple. And so that's why it's happened. It's like this was man's plan, but my plan is to live in David. My plan is to live in Solomon. My plan, God's plan has always not been about buildings. It's been about what he's building inside of people like, like you and me. And that, so that's why I love this picture, a guy called Charlie Maxey did. This is, we're the temple now. And actually there should be a lot more people on that picture maybe. That's the only thing I would disagree with it because it's not just singular temple. It's plural. We are the temple. We're the place where God wants to dwell. We're where, where Christ wants to reside. And that's why we do meet in buildings, but we're never, ever going to be buildings focused. We're God focused and we're people focused because we gather in places, but only because we're going places. That's the only reason that we do it. What happens, however, what can happen when people start to gather, and this always happens when people start to meet in different places, something happens, it's just internal inside of us. People start to get attached to them. It doesn't take long at all. You can just be meeting in a very short space for a short amount of time and people will suddenly start attaching themselves to that building, to that place, to that area. It's natural. We keep wanting to go back to the temple model in a sense, of, of this is the place, the holy place where the people are, are and God's here in this place, etc. It, it, it got, happened in the Old Testament, happened in the New Testament, it happened throughout church history. People have always ended up getting a little bit too attached. We can get too attached to the places instead of the reason why that we meet and the community and the people that we're meeting in. So how, how can it be, how do we get to be in even more places? How do we get to be the kind of church, which is a very unusual church when I describe it to other people, that can meet in all kinds of different ways, in all kinds of different people, places, to reach all kinds of different people, but still be one? People say, how can you do that? And the only way that you can do that is if you don't think of church in, those, in that way that I talked about as being an organisation or being an institution, but the, you chiefly begin to think of church as being like a family. You start to see Ivy Church as family. Because everybody in a family is different. Everybody might have a different first name, but they have the same surname. And that is what builds them together and bonds them together. That's why whether you're meeting at Sharston or Mersey Bank or Fuse or wherever you're meeting, for me, it's like Ivy, although it's the other way around, it's really like the surname. That's, that's what it is. That's, what, that's the family part of it. Wherever we are meeting, we are God's family. That's how God sees what is happening here. If we can put the next slide on, please, sorry for that. We're God's family. That's how he says, that's what he talks about us. Dave Ferguson, who's kind of mentored and helped me personally, and he's very much, he's like the founder of New Thing, and he's, he's fine. Community Church in Chicago that he's, he's with has every Sunday about 10,000 people go to a community church. And, and there's, there's more of them. They just planted two, I think, this year. 11 different locations, but they're all one. They're all one church. And how can that be? He says the only way that they can ever do that is because they've, everybody there's got committed to this idea of what they call the family win. The family win. It came from an idea. There's a guy called Ryan Kwon, who's uh, Korean-American by extraction. And from that mindset, which is not a, a Western mindset, he grew up in this immigrant household and he described the sacrifices, I heard him talk about this at Exponential, that his well-educated father made when he came 
to live in America and he ended up, the only job that he could get was that he was cleaning toilets in LAX airport. And, and, and people would say like, why are you doing this? And he was saying, I'm doing it for the family. I'm making these sacrifices for my family. I want my children to have the best that they can possibly have. So that's why I'm going to make these, these kind of sacrifices. And he told the story, Ryan, about how when he was a teenager at one point, he had a bit of a bad night. One thing led to another. He found himself in a, in a prison cell overnight. And then he was arrested and, uh, and he's, he was waiting there. And his dad came and paid the bail and got him out for this kind of minor offence. And he, th he kept thinking his dad was going to shout at him all the way home. He was like, quiet car kept thinking he's gonna, something's going to happen until they got to the, the house and he just sat in the room and his dad went into a different room for a while and he kept thinking what's he going to say and then his dad came in crying and said to him son I want to apologise to you I'm sorry for being such a bad father to you that this would have happened and he said because the reason that he would talk like that is because he realised that, that when the family lose in that everybody loses that's the way that they do. And at the same time, when the family win, all the family win. And you know, the church, the early church lived that out, didn't they? That's how they lived. The idea of the family was there because it says, all the believers in one in heart and mind, nobody claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they have. And that's why however big you think you've got a vision for the church, God's got a bigger version than that. He's got a bigger vision than that and he wants us to be able to see bigger beyond what we're doing. It's important what we're doing but we've always got to see bigger if we're going to see something the size of what God's talking about because actually even the surname isn't really even Ivy. There's a bigger surname behind that which is just the church, the church of Jesus Christ and that that's what we're a part of. And my big regret really from last year's AGM, something that I totally screwed up because I forgot to mention it, was that we put on a great event called Launch the year before last where we had 200 leaders there. This wasn't, this was this year's, but we did it the year before too and I didn't even mention it and the staff team worked really hard and I'm such a bozo. And it was really tough to do it, but it was brilliant because you had all these 200 leaders who started to hear about how you could think differently about church and you could start to see different results if you do things differently. And some people went away from that and booked and then came again this year. And, and all of this is because, if you remember this, a few years ago, I came back from Africa and I said, you know, I think, I dare to believe that God is calling us to be part of something really big. That together with others, we're going to be about partnership with others to be able to see... 500 new reproducing churches planted across Europe by the end of 2020. And as I'm saying it, I'm in, in the back of my head thinking, you are crazy, don't say this, this is mad, keep it small, don't do it. There's this little voice going. But you know what? When you get, like th last, this last November, 400 leaders coming along, and some of them are leaders of denominations, some of them are leaders of large networks of churches, and some of them are leaders of churches, and some of those are thinking, I want to go and start a church, but I'm not sure if I can, and then they go away from it saying, now we're going to plant a church. When you start seeing that kind of thing happening, then I can start to believe that by the end of 2020, we'll, we, the, the number 500, we, I don't know we'll be able to count it, but God can count it, and, and, and as far as he's concerned, I reckon we're going to see way more than 500 new reproductions producing churches and we've been a part that you've been a part if you're part of Ivy of, of giving and helping and serving and praying towards that happening and that for me is way bigger than anything that I've ever been a part of in the whole of the rest of my life it's amazing 
you know, to help to turn the narrative about what church is like in a, in a place where everything says it's about decline and, and, and to turn that around and to change it. And all of this is because this is all part of God's dream, God's big dream. See, I didn't just have that dream about the, the little girl who was very beautiful. I came to see. I had another dream before, just before I woke up. Never forget it. In this dream, some of you have heard this before, I'm sorry, but it, it was like, it's such a holy moment for me. I, I, I'm in this building, there's a skyscraper, and I know that something really important, you know, like you just know in a dream, is going to happen on the, on the roof. So I went up to the roof and all these people are standing around and in business suits and all talking. And then suddenly this silver aeroplane appears, like a jet fighter, and starts to fly around really fast. And then it stops and goes zigzag and goes backwards and does loop-the-loops. And everybody's going, ooh, ah, ooh, amazing. I'm going crazy about this aeroplane, but I'm like, not bothered about aeroplanes. Not all that interested. And then boom, down comes this aeroplane, this jet fighter, and lands on its like nose, on its little aerial, and starts to go on the roof. And everybody's going, ooh, oh, amazing. And I'm just like, so, it's just an aeroplane, not bothered. And then, gullwing doors open. This huge, super good looking, I have to say, man with blonde hair, blue eyes, silver suit, steps down, walks right up to me, and he says, you and me need to talk. And we go and sit down, and it's just me and him opposite each other at this table. And then he says, you're not impressed, are you? And I said, well, I like aeroplanes, but that's not really my thing. And he said, well, what is your thing? And I said, well, what really impresses me is when people do great things for God. So he said, like who? And I said, like Gandhi. It's the first person I thought of. And he said, why Gandhi? And I said, well, you know, he made sacrifices, but he changed the nation. He stood up for justice. He went, yeah, yeah, I knew Gandhi. And then he said, who else? And I said, Martin Luther King. And he said, what about him? And I said, well, again, he took sacrifices. He wasn't perfect, but he changed everything. And he said, yeah, yeah, I knew Martin. Who else? And I said, Billy Graham. He said, why Billy Graham? I said, longevity, integrity, impact. And he said, yeah, that sums him up. That's Billy. I know Billy. And I said, so I'm going, you knew Gandhi, you knew Martin Luther King, you know Billy Graham. Well, well, how, how come? And he said, he said I, because I get sense at strategic times in people's lives to tell them to get ready for the great adventure. And that's why I'm here. You know what? That's why I'm here. Because I woke up and I was like, I'm called. And you know when you're called, you can go through all kinds of stuff. When you know you're called, you can go through all kinds of ups and downs. When, you, when you're called, you can be confident. When you, you know, it's like, no, God called me. Everybody needs a dream. You look through the Bible, you see Joseph got a dream and Daniel got a dream and Peter got a dream. All the Bible is filled with people who dared to dream and, and then didn't just sleep on it and roll back over again, but got up and did something about it. And for me, coming to Ivy 10 years ago started with a big dream. But the pressure's always on to think small and the pressure's always on to shrink down your dream to the size of what you think is possible or the size of the situation instead of let the dream grow to the size of our God. And so, if we're going to keep on growing, and I believe we are, if we're going to keep on reaching 
thousands of people here in this city through Ivy, reaching tens of thousands of people through encouraging and starting new church plants through new thing and launch in the future, helping millions of people find their way back to God in ways that we'll only be able to count when one day we get to be with them forever in eternity and they come up to you and say, I'm only here because you were part of that church that started that thing, that outreach, because you were the person who, who helped some money to get started to be able to, to start somebody to tell me when, I, when my dad was in debt, you came when nobody else was coming, you sent something called Gail Jackson and somebody came along from that church and they helped my dad to get out of debt. And as a result of them getting out of debt, they, they found that they could have new life and a new start. And now they don't live that way and it's completely different. And there's a generation that's changed. And then I went and told this person, and, this, and we're going to see all these people, I think when we get to heaven, who are all connected in some amazing stuff that only God gets the glory for because only he could do it, but we get to be a part of it. You have to have faith to believe the dream for that, to be able to see it, that God still wants to act and he'll only do it through willing people, people who step up. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please God. So tonight we have heard and we're going to hear more and we're going to thank God for so many things that happened last year in the year of acceleration and all kinds of things happened way faster than anybody could have thought it would happen and the faith that inspired those things. And this week I felt like God had been saying to me as I was, I, I was awakened with this idea at like five o'clock in the morning. I was, I was, I was, this thing came to me, this idea that if we're going to keep on growing and inspiring other churches to, to do what nobody else is doing and reach people who nobody else is reaching, it's, it's this, it's that I felt God say to me, I don't send angels for little dreams. God doesn't send angels for little dreams. And when I stood up 10 years ago before the people in what was then called Ivy Cottage who would vote for me that night to be senior pastor, I showed a video, some of you were there, and on that video, it said there's only all kinds of churches, but there's only two kinds of church. There's cruise ship churches where everybody's just about who's looking after me, and there are rescue boats. We're all about who, who can we reach, who can we rescue, who can we bring in. And, it, and, it, and the video finished that night, but it said this, and all hands are needed on deck. And I said that night, if you vote for me, we'll always be about rescue boats. And that has not changed 10 years from on. We're not just about starting new churches and institutions and different things like that and organisations. We're always going to be more about who we can reach than who we can keep. We're always going to be about how we can join Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost wherever that leads and whoever it leads us to so that more and more people will find a guide for life and a saviour for their sins and a purpose and a destiny forever and ever. And I said that night, and if that's not for you, please vote no. And I'm glad that most people did vote yes. I think it was 98% of the vote and you've been good on that promise and it's led us, God has led us, I said a couple of years ago, in a roundabout way to bring us to this place. And I think, you know, if I'm honest, Ivy Kingsway as part of that, it became, it was great and there's some great things that happened there, but it was starting to feel and look a little bit like a cruise ship. And last year, God tipped it over. Because Ivy is rescue boats. That's what we're about. Ivy Sharston's not a church for people to go to. It's a rescue boat for people to go from. Ivy Didsbury, Ivy Central. They're not just places to gather, they're places to go from. They're rescue boats. Ivy Mersey Bank is a rescue boat. Ivy Fuse is a rescue boat. We have great crew. It's all hands on deck. Ivy Academy 
been launched as a rescue boat. It was great to be there this morning. And you can see that there's lots of room for more expansion and for more people to be able to come into that. All these ministries that we celebrate tonight and everything that we're going to do in the future, so many that we give to as well, that we support, it's all about rescue boats for us. We have plans and we have dreams and we need God's provision. And we'll see it come, I believe, as we launch new rescue boats. Even this year, we're praying really seriously hard. One in the city centre, soon we need you to pray for open doors something that looked like it was a possibility we're not even sure but we, we're going to do it we're going to do it we're going to do something in the city centre this year we've even got possibilities we're discussing and praying and that's with the Andrew Andrew Mary Ava heading that up so I'll pray for them we've even got possibilities to, to potentially buy a sports club and grounds in Cheadle Hume wow why why a rescue boat. I never doubt that we're going to keep on growing if we keep on going. I don't always know the how. I don't always know the who. We don't always know the where. But we do always know the why. And I know this too. The dream is from God. Everybody here Everybody here at Ivy, everybody watching on Facebook Live needs a dream. There's no such thing as a great person. There's just people committed to great dreams who end up doing great things for God. When God will take an ordinary person and they get committed to it, seeing a great dream come true, he will make it come true. It's all that he ever does. So I hope you've not forgotten how to dream. Or maybe this year, in this year of prayer, God is calling you to remember the old dream because he's not forgotten it. Or to get an even bigger one for the future. I'm coming into land. There's always a cost to making the dream come true. After I got the dream, I had to wake up and do something about it. I had to think, am I willing to leave some things behind to be able to step into this future? And I'm grateful for Zoe and my family who said yes. And it's been worth it. It's been so worth it. I don't regret any of it. It's so worth it. And I'll tell you why it's worth it. Mostly because the stakes are sky high. Because this is about eternities that are hanging in the balance. There are always nightmares on the way to the dream. Proverbs 27, 12 says, A sensible person watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. That's why we, our plans need to be adaptable. We know things are going to go wrong, but we also know a God who makes it all right in the end. And our confidence is always in him. There's always going to be a fight. You have to fight your fears on the way to the dream coming through. Most people won't take big risks because of the fears of what could go wrong or because of the fears of what people might say if it goes wrong. The Bible says, the fear of man will prove a snare, but to trust in God means safety. So when we're afraid, whenever we're afraid, God says, remember the dream and remember who gave you the dream. Proverbs 14, 26 says this, reverence for the Lord gives confidence and security. I've had that confidence, I have to say, just about, enough. I think it's right, every single day for the last 10 years. That God called us here, and that because he called us here, he was going to equip. He would provide for the vision. Every year, we've set a bigger, bigger budget in faith. Because we wanted to reach more people, and it costs money to reach more people and to be able to do these things. Every year, God has been faithful to be able to match it. See, when you know your dream is from God, you get confidence. When you know your dream is from God, you get security to keep moving forward. If you know your dream is from God, it doesn't matter what critics say because you know what God has said. Barriers can always be removed. 
Money can always be raised. Leaders can always be raised up. Places, buildings can be opened up. What, what can never stop is believing the dream. What matters most is this, has God said to do it? And if he said to do it, we better, better do it. And there comes a point, as I say, when you wake up after the dream and you have to start acting on it. God doesn't send angels to people with small dreams. That's why we can dream big. Maybe God not sent you an angel, but he sent one to me. And the angel said, get ready for the great adventure. I don't think we've seen anything of that yet. I don't know what the next 10 years would look like, but all I'd say is let's dream bigger. Dream big, big dreams because we've got a big, big God. The great adventure is global in size. It's eternal in implications. Are you going to be a part of it? Because it's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck. Are you in? Sounds like you are. I, know, I actually mean that. I mean, usually I go, Ugh. but it does sound like you are. I felt, I felt a conviction there from people. Thank you. Thanks for being in. Thanks for all you people who are in. Should we stand if you're able and put up, actually, stand if you're able and put a hand up if you're still saying, if you've said it before and you're saying it again, or you just want to say it again for this new year, in this, this year of prayer. I don't know if, as I say, he's ever sent you an angel, or, but he sent me to tell you this, get ready for the, the great adventure. It's only just begun. With our hands raised high, and anybody watching who's part of this church family tonight, as we pray, nothing happens if you stop dreaming, but anything can happen when you start dreaming. So Lord, give us big dreams. Give us bigger dreams. Make our lives something worth sending angels for. Something worth getting more and more angels involved in accomplishment. Because we still believe that you are able to do far more than we'd ever dare to dream of. Infinitely beyond our highest prayers and desires and hopes and thoughts. According to your power, which is at work in us through the church. Why don't you pray out loud with me now. Say these words with me. Lord Jesus, Jesus. we know why we are here. It's to be part of your one and only rescue plan. The gospel of Jesus Christ going out into the world to transform lives through transformed people. Please show us how. Please show us where. Please show us when. Because for your glory, we want to see your dreams come true. Amen. Yay. Thank you, everybody. Fantastic. Thank you. As I stood up at the start and, and kind of expressed my gratitude to, to being part of this team and, and to working with Anthony, um, it, it, there's always a great little challenge in there, and, or a great big challenge in there. And one of the things that we do as elders, we, so here at Ivy, we've got this little, little saying that says that we are staff guided. So the staff team will point us where, the, where people need to be rescued. And then there's something about being elder guarded. And that's not because we kind of try and guard something and keep it safe. But actually what we're trying to do is to guard a vision, which is that we're all about helping people find their way back to God. So what can we do 
to work with the staff team, to work together as a community to make sure that there's enough, there's enough oil left in the engines for the boats. And there's a fantastic man that I work with called Rob Jackson, who is, if, if, if anybody needs anyone to sort out how much, you know, kind of oil there is for the boats, this is the man, because he is he's a genius, and he works so hard to, to work with, alongside Catherine to, yay Catherine, <laughs> alongside Catherine to do a fantastic job of stewarding all that we give as a church to, to make sure that we can continue for helping people find their way back to God. So I'm going to invite Rob up to share with us a little bit about what things might look like for us in 2018. Rob. So good evening, everybody. Um, I wanted to start by addressing the very obvious elephant in the room, which is uh, I'm overdressed. Um, so I did this for the first time last year, and I remember getting here, and Anthony and Robert Varnum had a jacket on and trousers. I had jeans on and a bit of a raggedy jumper. So um, I thought, right, well, 2018, I'm going to make an effort. I get here tonight and I stick out like a proverbial sore thumb. So, I don't know. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm gonna do for 2019, but... Um, fact, fact, no. <laughs> but I figure I've got a year to think about it, so um, we'll see. Uh, it's really good to see you all this evening. Um, and uh, I just wanted to share something at the beginning that... Um, Whilst it is good to see you uh, this morning being at the academy when we had that time when we were going through the prayer tunnel, um, I didn't struggle uh, to really sort of think of something to put before the Lord really. And that was tonight, um, you know, in a sense of, Lord, please help me get through this evening and please may there not be any truly horrendous questions uh, at the end of the evening. So we will see, that, but that was my prayer request uh, this morning. Um, I've been doing this role for about 15 months now, 16 months, and I want to reassure you that uh, I take it very seriously. Um, and I've been on some training uh, in this past 12 months, and I went on some training run by Stewardship, uh, an organisation many of you might know. They provide really good support for churches around matters of finance uh, and legal matters, and Andy Lee and I uh, went on some training in Salford uh, in the past 12 months uh, and there was something that really stuck out uh, for me from that training that I remember taking away uh, because the, the, the guy who was delivering the training spoke about how churches should be aiming to achieve a triple A rating. Now some of us here might be familiar with the triple A term. I think um, it's used for companies that have a, uh, an excellent credit rating. In layperson's term, it's a good sign of good financial health, excellent financial health in a company. So it was really interesting to think about, think about it in church terms and then apply it to Ivy, actually, in terms of how we should be looking after what God gives to us so generously. So the AAA meant the following. So it meant about good administration, it meant about good accountability, and it meant uh, good attitude. 
and what that means in a little bit more detail in terms of how I think about it in terms of doing the job that I do and in terms of the very wonderful Catherine Proudman sat over there who does, uh, who does an amazing job day in, day out. I really thought about it in the sense of, in terms of that administration bit, in terms of how we look after the money that God gives us through all of you. And we've just reflected tonight on first fruits and that amazing total. In terms of the accountability element, that sense of how we're transparent around it in terms of how we ultimately spend it and invest it and put it in our reserves to make sure that we're a strong church going forward and that we can look after our staff and many people uh, in terms of all that we do. And in terms of the attitude, that third day, I was really thinking about it, about how we handle it speaks of our values as a church in terms of how we're generous around it, how we don't believe that God gives it us to just store it and sit on it, how actually in the week that we sort of pull together first fruits in terms of what's given, you know, in that first seven days, we're on it. Sarah is calling people saying, we want to bless you with what, how we have been blessed in terms of this past week. And so I think those three things of administration, accountability and attitude are really important. And hopefully, as I talk a little bit more now about uh, this past year and also moving forward, those things will hopefully come through it. But certainly it's a test, I think, for me, for Catherine, for the team in terms of how we do the jobs that we do in terms of what God gives to us. So, there's a few slides that I want to talk you through. And the first one uh, is looking back on the audited accounts from 2016-17, which is the third slide in, I think. So, I'm sure for all of you that have a favourites list, and that you look on uh, different websites. I'm sure the Charity Commission website is at the top of most people's favourites list. It, it's certainly the top of mine. Um, and you could go to the Charity Commission website and you could look up our accounts from 2016-17. So this is the period that ended in March of 2017. And you'll see there a reflection of our expenditure and our income and where we stood at the end of that year. And I suppose from my perspective and from the elders' perspective, you know, we felt really blessed that, you know, we were in a position of strength, that at the end of 2016-17, that we were able to reflect that in our accounts that we had a surplus, and that surplus was £53,000. And that's, you know, that's great, great news in terms of the foundation that that gave us last year in terms of then how we could look then to move forward. And not only did we have a, a surplus of £53,000, we also knew that in terms of our reserves that we had six months operating costs in effect sitting in our reserves should um, anything ever happen in terms of, you know, they say, uh, plan for the worst and hope for the best. But, you know, we felt that in terms of our reserves and in terms of the surplus that we were able to um, check for 1617, that God had been great to us and that we were in a position of strength. So then we moved to the financial year that we're in now, currently 2017-18, of which we have uh, another couple of months until the end of March. And you'll see a slide there that shows 
a budget um, position in terms of what we planned um, at the start of the year and then the forecast position in terms of where we think we're going to come in uh, at the end of March. And I can reassure you that that isn't a typo, the 53,000. Uh, that isn't me just thinking, oh no, I've copied and pasted and got the wrong figures. That, that's what it's looking like at the minute in terms of where we think our surplus will be uh, at the end of the year. So again, and this is, not ex this is not including first fruits, sorry, I should have said the audited accounts for 1617 does include first fruits, but this slide doesn't. But again, you can see that our expenditure was slightly less than what we thought it would be, and I think that's really a reflection predominantly of coming out of Kingsway and the costs associated with that, and that our income uh, was slightly lower than what we thought it would be. And I think, honestly, that's a reflection of coming out of Kingsway. We know that some people left us, actually, um, but we know that in terms of how God looks after what we've got or what he gives us, and in terms of how we need to be responsible for it, I'm really pleased that we're, we're forecasting another surplus of over £50,000 at the end of this year. So then I want to just talk a little bit about Ivy's giving journey and reflecting a bit further back, not just the past 12 months or so, but actually going back about five years or so. And I know this slide isn't the easiest to read, and actually the one after isn't the easiest to read, but hopefully you'll see there, in terms of what you can make out, a trajectory that is very much upwards in terms of where we've come from, from 2013. And it's a slide that reflects on different forms of giving, in terms of giving through the bank, in terms of regular givers, and also through what's given on the day. And you can see, in terms of the past 12 months, again, that reflection around Kingsway, but in terms of moving forward, in terms of what Anthony was just saying around dreaming big and being part of a family, in terms of how we're planning for the budget in 2018-19, we're building growth into our budget in terms of what we want to see happen in the next 12 months. And I'll say something about that in a minute. But certainly, again, to reiterate the point, as elders, we think we have a strong foundation from which to build. So just to go back to that point around the three A's and the, the A that was accountability, this next slide then just reflects on First Fruits, going back to First Fruits 2017, uh, which uh, was around just over 135,000. Again, an incredible amount, which reflects on the generosity of everybody that comes to Ivy in its different sites. So... We've been able to do a tremendous amount with that in terms of we've been able to help and support people that have wanted to grow God's kingdom and plant churches in places as diverse as the Lake District, in South Wales, in France. We've been able to support the higher tour. We've been able to do lots of different things with that, that we, you know, whenever we do that, you know, we're, we're grateful to God first and foremost for the opportunities that he gives us. We also know that there's a portion of it that is unallocated, actually. And I think that, you know, for me, in terms of where I'm at with that, that comes back to this point around dreams and I think what may come up in the year ahead in terms of the opportunities that God gives us. 
And we're also planning in the budget for 2018-19 in terms of activities that we're doing at the church that we know that the principles that were set around first fruits, it's not about doing things that are mainstream, that are everyday activity for Ivy. It's about doing things that are firsts, where we want to stretch ourselves. And there's a couple of things that come to mind in terms of things that we will be doing in the year ahead that will receive some first fruit support. So I know later in the year, Ivy is going to run its first conference for children's work. And that's going to be a conference that isn't just for Ivy people, it's for people externally uh, that we want to bring in. So we're really excited to be able to support that. And we're also really excited that uh, I think the plan is that Ivy will be launching its first ever worship album, in, worship album in effect. And that's something that we're really excited to be able to support with First Fruits funding. So there's lots of great things that we believe are firsts that we know that First Fruits uh, is supporting, which is great. So then, just in terms of giving then, and in terms of, in effect, what we look after, I just then wanted to reflect on the wonder that is gift aid. And every year, we, uh, we tot up, in effect, what we're able to um, pull back or come back through, through the government in terms of gift aid from people's giving. So we know that roughly every year gift aid is about one-sixth of the income uh, of our budget. And so in 2016-17, that was about £180,000. Uh, and in 2017-18, so the year that is going to run through to March, uh, we know that that's going to be about £192,000. You know, incredible amounts of money that we uh, are blessed to be able to sort of build into our income uh, to plan activities around. Um, some of you will have been here last year, and if you were, you will remember that we said a massive thank you to Gerald for all of what he had done over the many years in terms of helping us to be able to, in effect, pull together the various bits of administration to um, be able to recoup the gift aid. Um, but I wanted to do something slightly differently this year because uh, there was Gerald who for many years did that and did it so amazingly. There's also two other people that are a key part of the team and this being the annual gratitude meeting, I thought it would be remiss if we didn't say thank you to Jeff and to Dave who every Monday come into the Ivy office with Joe Kimball. I don't know if Joe is here tonight, she isn't with Joe, who's new to the team, and helped do the counting from all the different sites um, that, uh, that meet on Sunday. So I wanted just to take a moment reflecting on gift aid and what we're able to recoup back through government to say thank you uh, to Jeff and Dave. So if they could come forward, we've got a gift for them just to be able to do that.
so that's so we've reflected on the year that we're in and on 2016-17 and I think the strong position that Ivy is in financially. I just wanted to take a minute to move from finances and just to pick up the buildings element of what I'm going to talk about because there's a few things that I wanted to update you all around there referencing all already what Anthony has said in terms of some of the opportunities that uh, we're currently thinking through, praying through uh, really hard actually. Um, last year we reflected primarily on the refurbishment work that had taken place at the Didsbury site that had been the focus for First Fruits in 2016. And I just wanted to mention a few things really about things that have happened recently and things that we could be moving into and very much ask for your prayerful support and thoughts really as we move forward over the next few weeks. So. I think it's significant that in the last few months between elders and between the staff team at Ivy, we've agreed sort of a, this will sound very jargonistic and I feel like I'm at Monday in work and not at church on a Sunday evening, but a framework or a set of principles around which uh, we've agreed how Ivy can move forward and grow churches and plant churches in terms of what's the common strands, what's the DNA that links Ivy and its different sites going forward, whilst allowing that local flavour, knowing that our sites currently, as they meet, they're all a bit different to each other. They do things differently, but there's very much a common core to what they do. So our vision is clear at Ivy that we want to have a large multiplying network of self-replicating churches that have a big impact for God in terms of wherever they meet. And we want to grow outwardly in new sites. And as Anthony mentioned, we're currently sort of working through the detail of two possibilities, one in the, the, city, the city centre uh, and one in Cheadle Hume, which helpfully I've put in brackets, Stockport, just in case you're not sure where Cheadle Hume is, um, just down the road. Um, and I just wanted to say a couple of things about uh, Cheadle Hume in particular, really, to very much, again, ask you all to be praying into this over the next few weeks as we have a window of opportunity, I think it's fair to say, around whether this is something we want to move forward with as elders in terms of potentially uh, getting into negotiations with Stockport Council and others, uh, all the different parties around this site. So... Um, this is the site in Cheadle Hume. Um, it's one I'm very familiar with because I've spent many a cold evening watching my kids play cricket there uh, in the months of June, July and August, it would seem. But um, it's, it's a site near Cheadle Hume Village. Uh, it's a, currently, it's a lacrosse and cricket club with a, a social club, which you can see uh, that meets in the building there. And then there's a large set of fields where the lacrosse and cricket takes place. And I think where we're at with this as elders is that, you know, we think this could be a fantastic opportunity in terms of Ivy planting a church, opening a church site in Cheadle Hume. We know that there's a group, a cohort of people from the church currently that live around that area or fairly close by. For a number of years, we've wanted to start a church in the Stockport area, not knowing exactly where that would be. 
However, it's fair to say that in terms of there being a spectrum of doing things in a really easy way or doing things in a really complex way, in terms of where this one sits, it's towards that end of complex, actually, in terms of negotiating with Stockport Council and negotiating with the sports clubs and the person that currently has the lease for the building that you can see behind us. And we know that time is upon us, that there's a window of opportunity by which we essentially, as elders, have to say, yes, we're going to give this a green light and we're in good faith. We're going to enter into negotiations with the various parties around this to ultimately get us to a position where we could open a church and plant a church and then have a longer-term goal of really bringing together sports and community and church and investment into that site. Or we kind of reach a view that actually this is a bit too much, that actually this isn't something that we can take on. And again, just to re-emphasise that point, I think, you know, talking to Anthony, you know, before tonight, we just really want you all to sort of be seeking God's um, will in this, I suppose. And if there's a word that you have or something that you feel that you might know about this or, or the city centre site, then please come and talk to us as elders or to staff, because we know that these are big decisions, actually, and that we've got to get them right, and that there's a lot of factors around them. But our ambition is to grow the network of churches that we have. So we're currently really thinking hard about this one. And sometimes, you know, you ask God for a sign, you know, in all of this, in terms of, God, you know, where are you taking us? And Isaiah 7:11 says, ask the Lord your God for a sign. And I know when I visited there with a couple of other people from the church that um, there was certainly no shortage of, Matt, <laughs> Ivy, uh, well, and satellite dishes, it would seem, and trees. But, uh, so I don't know. But, you know, we're, we're really serious about this in terms of praying through it, uh, wanting to get the decision right. And we know that ultimately our vision, is, our vision and goal is to be kingdom building. And so really we're, we're seeking your support around prayer as to whether this is the right opportunity for us. So moving on from buildings uh, quickly, because I'm running out of time, just pick a few things up around the budget for 2018-19 then, uh, the year that we're moving into. Uh, and as ever, you know, this is sort of a balance of doing the pragmatic around thinking through the detail of all the different activities that are taking place in the church, but also it's critically, it's a statement of faith around how God is going to equip us in all that we do to resources in the year ahead. So just some highlights, I suppose, around the year ahead, a few things that I'd want to draw your attention to in terms of what's different or what are priorities going forward. So, um, a couple of things to show you. So, Anthony's already referenced Ivy Church Academy. Many of us were there this morning. In terms of that move from Fallowfield to the Academy, we know that actually we've had to put uh, a, a greater percentage of budget towards that to resource Tim and Ollie and the team who do, do such an amazing job um, running the church site from there. So that's something that we know that we need to get right and give them what they need uh, to really grow the church in, uh, in the academy 
uh, in Manchester. So that's, that feels significant. Uh, Sarah, who we uh, will be hearing from uh, shortly, I think as elders we made the decision last year that actually we want to make a commitment in, and invest around that executive lead role. We think that role is really important in, in terms of helping strengthen and support Anthony and the team to be able to deliver all that, that, you know, all that we're planning going forward. And it's great to have Sarah uh, on the team now and coming into role. And it'll be great to hear from Sarah uh, shortly about the two weeks or so so far and, and what's coming up. So there are a couple of things that are significant. We also know that all together services that have already been referenced um, are something that we need to budget for because hiring out uh, the academy, the main site, uh, or the point at Lancashire, these things cost a considerable amount of money. And a couple of reflections of mine thinking about altogether services so far as, you know, there has been the great. There has been Danielle Strickland coming and talking to us not long ago. And there has been the, um, the uh, even greater, wonderful. the wonderful, the wonderful uh, staff pantomime at Withenshaw. Oh, no, there hasn't. Oh, yes, there was. Oh, yes, there was. So uh, there are a couple of things, again, around services and the budget that uh, we're having to put more money towards this year because we want to, because, you know, we really believe it's great to bring everybody together, you know, three or four times a year in terms of all the sites uh, coming together in that way. So there are things that we're doing in the budget for this year. We also, in the budget, uh, on the next slide, we'll see that... Um, next slide. Woo! The tension. Uh, that we have new staff who have joined us, uh, not just Sarah in the executive lead role, but over the past 12 months we've had Joe, who I've mentioned earlier, who helps um, support Catherine uh, and others in the office and helps support Jeff and Dave with accounting duties on Monday. So Kat, Joe works for us uh, one day a week, I think I've got that right, yep. We have Luke, who we have heard from uh, today already, who has joined Emma on the Ivy Youth team. We have the amazing Lucy Smith, uh, who is very familiar to people here this building. Not that Luke and Joe aren't amazing, just to be clear. It's just, I just thought, amazing. Sorry, Lucy. Didn't um, we have Lucy, who's joined the team here, uh, leading Ivy Sharston, whilst Hannah has been on mat leave. And I've already referenced Sarah joining us in the exec lead role. So we know that the staff team are going to be about 45% of the overall budget. And last year, if you can remember, there was a slide that said that the staff team would be about 42% of the budget. So there's a, a slightly greater amount of resource this year going forward for the budget team, uh, for the budget team, for the staff team. Uh, we also know that mission is a really important part of what we do at Ivy in terms of those that we want to support, both, both in the UK, overseas, for organisations large, for organisations small, and for individuals. And a few things just to point out, really, I think, uh, of note around mission. Um, firstly, it continues to be about 23% of the budget, 
overall. And that's a significant resource, I think, that we're putting forward to support so many people in different parts of the world. Um, we're really pleased that Pete Dawson from the staff team is acting now as the staff team link to the mission group, to the mission team that meets. And we think that Pete will help sort of develop that work going forward and make it um, very much sort of central to all that we do and all that we plan through the staff team as part of Ivy. We know that there's been some economic turbulence, uh, to put it mildly, in the past 12 months. And that actually in parts of the world, the fall in the value of, pound, in the fall in the value of the pound has meant that for some of our mission partners, they've suffered because of that. So uh, in cases such as supporting partners in Costa Rica and South Africa, we've actually, in effect, put some additional investment in to support those guys out there who are doing amazing things because, in effect, they were being disadvantaged by sort of the wider economic forces that were taking place. So we think that's been important. And also, um, just one, one reflection talking to, to Robert about this in terms of something that has taken place in this past year is that the Millers, who many of you will know, who uh, live in Costa Rica, they were massively encouraged by the visit of Jan and Kat Luitzer, who uh, visited them uh, in the past 12 months. And I think the plan was, as I understand it, that Jan and Kat were, were meant to get to Venezuela, um, actually. But Venezuela at that point was fairly turbulent. There were a lot of things going on in the country. And that, so they spent a, a, a portion of time with the Millers in Costa Rica. And I think one of the reflections of the Millers in terms of having Jan and Kat with them uh, for that portion of time is that, you know, they really valued that in terms of the connection to the Ivy family and to people who love them, who are praying for them, who are supporting them. So I think there's a reflection that in terms of how we span generations and continents that, you know, that was a really valued um, activity and something that happened in these past 12 months. So mission continues to be a really important part of what we do. I have run out of time. In fact, I've gone over time. So we will skip to the slide that just says, talks about the main budget and uh, linking the general budget to first fruits. So we've already heard the amazing amount that has been raised this past week around first fruits. And we're planning for the overall budget, um, not including first fruits, to be about 1.1 million pounds uh, for the year ahead. And there's so much that is going to take place within that. And in terms of where we will finish at the end of this financial year, planning for about £1.1 million represents growth of, of over 10%, which I think Anthony referenced earlier. You know, we want to be ambitious in terms of the goals and the plans that we set ourselves and how we want to see God change lives going forward. So... That's the plan for the year forward. And this final slide talks about the consultation process because some of you here will be really interested to get into the detail of all this and sort of to talk about the detail around first fruit and the overall budget and what's going where. Um, so there's a couple of things that we do in terms of the weeks ahead because ultimately 
the budget that we have planned as elders and as a staff team has to get voted in and approved by you as members. So we're here today and at the end of this week, the 9th of February, Friday, the budget will be available uh, to those who request it uh, by um, contacting the staff team and Catherine using the email address behind you. Um, we then have a consultation meeting which is really, really exciting. We were really pleased last year to have a brand new person come who had never been before. We were like, wow, this is great. So if you've never been before, I encourage you to come because there will be a core of people who like to go over the detail and ask searching and challenging questions. But if you're free on the 15th of February and, you, and your interest is this, then please do come and join us, Catherine and I, at Ivy, uh, Didsbury. We will then vote mid-March uh, around the budget as it is then to hopefully uh, approve it. So then for the start of the financial year in April, we can get going in terms of all that we have uh, planned going forward. So that is the budget for last year, the buildings and the budget going forward. So Thank you for listening. I've gone a few minutes over and I'm now going to hand over to Becca. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.